Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. No icing for the first time in 39 years. The Boston Bruins have won the Stanley Cup. Two-year absence, the Boston Celtics are NBA champions once again. Play clock at five. Pass is intercepted at the goal line by Malcolm Butler. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the sixth episode of the 617 Sports Podcast. It's a gloomy weekend here in New England. We might be getting some snow about, depending on where you are, I think three to six inches. So uh, get your get your uh, snow plows ready, get your shovels out, winter hats, winter gloves, all that stuff, because winter is coming. And, uh, you know, with not much going on, I don't actually mind it, but... This isn't a weather podcast. This is a sports podcast. We're going to get into the most important 90 seconds of your day. We're going all around the leagues, not just here in Boston, to kind of break some of the news. Uh, In the NHL, they're looking to push back their potential start date. January 1st was sort of the uh, idea. That's going to get pushed into mid-January, and they're looking at a 52 to 56 game regular season. So definitely going to be less than the 82 that we are used to. Also, several teams, including the Boston Bruins, are uh, potentially planning on having games outside uh, some of the hockey venues. They just don't feel it's safe to have, you know, indoor arenas. Uh, So outdoor might have winter classics all over the place, all over the league every week. So that could be very fun. We're going to the NBA now. Massive blockbuster trade. John Wall and Russell Westbrook are flip-flopped basically so Westbrook is going to Washington DC to play with Bradley Beal and John Wall uh, is headed to the Houston Rockets to play alongside uh, James Harden the LA Lakers lock up their uh, gruesome twosome LeBron James signs a two-year 80 something million dollar contract uh, extension so he's now on the Lakers till 2023 and Anthony Davis signs a five-year 190 million dollar max contract to also stay in the purple and gold. The NBA has been slowly trickling out the uh, schedule for this season, and it looks like that the Warriors and the Nets are going to tip off the 2021 NBA season, followed by a Lakers-Clippers showdown later that night. That's all taking place on December 22nd. Quickly going to the NFL. Pittsburgh Steelers stay undefeated in a very weird Wednesday 340 kickoff. The Steelers beat the Ravens to stay undefeated. However... Bud Dupree, one of their star pass rushers, tore his ACL. He's done for the season. Uh, In the Detroit Lions, uh, Matt Patricia is fired Uh, as the head coach. He was only there for about three seasons. He had like a 33 win percentage, so not not very good. Uh, And it looks like there's going to be a coaching vacancy out in Detroit. And going quickly to NCAA football, Notre Dame has achieved a, a spot in the ACC Conference Championship. 
and it's the first time that Notre Dame's ever playing for conference championships, seeing as the Irish are uh, known to not have a conference. During this COVID season, they joined the ACC, and now they are looking to claim their first ever conference championship in football. And that's it for the most important 90 seconds of your day. Pretty slow. Uh, MLB's not really doing much again. We have so many uh, high mark, uh, high, uh, highly rated free agents that just aren't signing. Trevor Bauer, DJ LeMayhew, Alex Bregman, these guys are just uh, staying put. I know the Cubs made a couple moves. They, they let Kyle Schwarber go. But uh, to be honest with you, it just uh, there's not a lot going on in the NBA. So I mean, in the MLB, rather. So hard to uh hard to get excited about it especially with snow coming around the corner that just makes me feel like baseball's still very very far away but i want to talk about the patriots to start off uh because the patriots they they proved me wrong i guess or they proved me right uh last week when i was predicting the game against arizona i had said that i was on a two-game losing streak i thought we were going to lose to the ravens and win against the Texans, I had gotten those both wrong, and I needed to mix it up. I needed to mix it up. So I pulled a George Costanza. I said, I'm going to go against my gut feeling, and I thought we were going to lose to the Cardinals, so I'll take the Patriots. And I was right. Patriots win this game, an extremely unprobable victory, and uh, they certainly didn't do it any thanks to their quarterback. Uh, he was Cam Newton was horrible. Uh, the the typical offensive uh, weapons, if you can even call them that, guys that have emerged uh, as far as you know being your best offensive options, they they sort of also uh, cooled off a little bit. Damian Harris wasn't really uh, his usual self. Even Jacoby Myers and Demir Bird, your two wide receivers, they're they're looking like the third and fourth guys that they really are you know I know both of them had gone for over 100 yards in the last couple weeks here but this is a very tame offensive game from the Patriots to put it nicely and yet they still pull out the W Patriots win 20 to 17 uh, inching closer towards breaking 500 now they are five and six on the season and have an outside chance at the playoffs and we'll get to that in a second but I want to talk about the unprobability of this win Look, the, the Arizona Cardinals, they're a good football team. They've got an electric young quarterback who is mobile but also can still throw, make every throw on the field. Uh, he, he's, Kyler, Mar Kyler Murray is having a remarkable season this year. Uh, and, you know, they, they made some offseason moves to acquire, I think, one of the best wide receivers in football, DeAndre Hopkins. He's top three, no debate. You saw what he did against the Buffalo Bills a couple weeks ago. The guy is tall, he's fast, unbelievable hands, a great route runner. I mean, he's a class He's a class act. Uh, and, you know, they've got a great running back, Kenyon Drake. He's emerging. We might remember him from Miami. Well, you know, he's now in Arizona, and he's really stepped up his play. And, you know, it, it's, it's a team that is a very fun team. They're one of my favorites to watch. They're in a great NFC West division where, uh, you know, you've got teams like the Rams and the uh, Seattle Seahawks. It, it, it's it's a great division, and the 49ers obviously were in the Super Bowl last year. So very competitive division, uh, and this was definitely uh, a game that I think Cliff Kingsbury and the Arizona Cardinals sort of, you know, it was a trap game. They they missed it. I don't think they had a great game plan coming out. They 
you know, uh, they threw the ball 34 times, but they weren't really pushing the ball down the field. Maybe part of that is the Patriots' defense, but I, I honestly think that uh, it, it was a trap game, and I don't blame them. You know, the the Rams are in town this week, uh, so it's it, it's easy to say, okay, look, we're gonna you look over the Patriots, and they're probably focusing on that Rams game because it's a huge divisional divisional matchup. Uh, you know, the the Rams are one game ahead of the Cardinals, so and that's where you are as Patriots, right? Where where a trap game now? You know, for for very good teams, uh, you know, we are the 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 sleeper. We're not expected to, you know, we're not a game that teams circle on the calendar anymore, saying, oh, we're playing the Patriots. No, you actually benefit from the fact that you're not very good, and the next week opponent might be better than you, so they might start looking ahead and don't really plan well for you. Uh, I, I could, you could probably say the same thing about the uh, Baltimore Ravens, who, you know, again, you were playing them, wasn't really a big game for Baltimore, because next week uh, they had the Tennessee Titans in town, who are very much uh, in the playoff hunt, again, only one game better than Baltimore. So your your two of your most impressive wins come against teams who were overlooking you because their next week opponent was, uh, you know, a more formidable opponent. And it's okay. The Patriots, look, you have one of the best head coaches of all time. Uh, we can put Bel Belichick's GM player personnel decision-making on the side as a game plan uh, head coach, as a guy that is going to keep his team disciplined. He's, he's the best ever. And anytime someone overlooks him, he's going to make them pay. He made he made Harbaugh pay, and it looks like he made Kingsbury pay this weekend as well. So you can't afford to look over the Patriots. And I think, um, again, a large part of that's due to your head coach and not due to the players on the field because Cam Newton in this game threw for uh, under 100 yards in two interceptions. He, I think he had 84 yards, two picks, didn't throw for a touchdown. Uh, he was extremely ineffective at moving the ball. Uh, and it's not... It's not like you can keep blaming it on the lack of talent because, again, we've seen Demir Bird step up. We've seen uh, Jacoby Myers start to, uh, like I said, really emerge as a NFL-caliber uh, wide receiver. I'm not saying he's a top-five guy in the league. I'm not saying he's a pro bowler. But, you know, you can't keep saying that Cam Newton's got no one to throw to. Like, eventually he's going to have to just figure out, you know, what he's working with. And, and he threw for 360 yards the the week prior, so... You can't. So it's the same guys, and Cam Newton's only able to go nine of 18, 84 yards, and two picks. So stop telling me that Cam's got no one to throw to. And like, and despite all this, the Patriots come out on top. But I, 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 I can't help but keep questioning: What does this win mean for the Patriots? How does this help us in the short term and the long term? Because right now you're five and six. You've got such an outside chance at making the playoffs you know and, and even if you do you're not making it past the first weekend I mean who, who are you going to play you know I don't see the Patriots you know again they beat Baltimore they can beat teams when they overlook them but if you give a team like the Tennessee Titans a week to prepare for us they're not overlooking you right if you're in the playoffs you're going to take us seriously and if teams take us seriously it's game over you know, look at what the the Texans did. They weren't overlooking the Patriots game, and yet they were able to, you know, humiliate our defense, and Cam Newton had a good throwing day but wasn't enough to get the job done. 
So if even if the Patriots make the playoffs, I, I have no faith that they're going to upset anybody. And that's just the nature of, of this season. You've you've had some great games. You've had some, you know, close losses against good teams, Buffalo, Seattle, those games come to mind. And then you've just had some terrible losses to teams like Denver, to teams like Houston, uh, and, and you almost lost to the Jets. And, and that's just where we are as, uh, on this season. But to think that uh, Cam Newton is going to throw for 84 yards, two picks, and you win the game, uh, man, Bill Belichick's just the greatest head coach ever. What, what a what a defensive you know gem he put together. I I, I can't help but look back to there's there's one play it's a it's an important moment I believe in the fourth quarter Arizona has the ball and they basically just need to either kick a field goal or or pick up a couple first downs and bleed some clock to uh to put the Patriots away and Kyler Murray drops back to pass and they they show Chase Winovich is like jumping up and down to try and swat the pass and it's almost like confusing Kyler Murray and he almost looks to his left and then I forget who it was. It might have been Jawan Bentley. I have no idea. Uh, Jonathan Simmons, someone, also does the same thing and actually tips the pass and it gets intercepted. And it wasn't like you know one of these times where you know Cam Newton has had so many interceptions due to the fact that the ball was tipped at the line of scrimmage. That's not what this was. It was a clear, designed uh, play for the uh, pass rushers to not really actually rush the quarterback and, and start kind of like waving their hands back and forth to confuse them. And it worked out perfectly. You get the ball back, and again, you ultimately win the game. So I'm giving a lot of credit to Bill Belichick this week. Uh, he's taken a lot of criticisms for the, the, the personnel decisions, you know, the the quarterback situation and, and recent draft picks, and that's all fair criticisms. But when it comes to game day, you know, I don't think there's a guy I want calling plays and, and coaching the team more than, than Bill Belichick. I, I, he's just, he's proven to be, um, you know, the Patriots' greatest asset. Again, personal decisions, those suck. Uh, we don't need to get into how many guys were taken ahead of Nikhil Harry, or taken after Nikhil Harry, that are all pro-wide receivers. We don't we don't need to bring that conversation up. Or, or the fact that Sony Michelle can't really get out there on the field despite being a first-round pick. So I'm giving a lot of credit to Bill, and I'm going to start to to sort of rip into Cam Newton here for a second. And not even Cam Newton, but just the quarterback room in general. Because Cam Newton, again, 84 yards, two interceptions. And he is projected to start tomorrow when we take on the Los Angeles Chargers. If 84 yards and two interceptions doesn't get you benched the next week, then I don't know how bad is Stidham. We know Hoyer's not great, and again, Hoyer's probably never starting a game, a game for the Patriots again, you know, be, because of what he did in the game against uh, the Chiefs. But man, oh man, if Stidham doesn't have enough quality tape and practice uh, to to earn a start after Cam Newton goes, you know, nine of 18, 84 yards, two picks, then clearly he blows. Like clearly, you you just can't you can't keep him on the roster next year. If he's not getting out to play this week, then he's not good enough to play any week, and I don't want him on the roster. And I don't want Brian Hoyer because the guy can't, you know, understand when to take a sack or, or understand that you can't take a sack. So I don't want him. 
and then Cam Newton can't help but throw it to the other team. So when you're looking at next year, because again, this is a lost cause. You're not making the playoffs. I'm sorry. You know, there's too many good teams ahead of you. I mean, the Browns are eight and three for goodness sake. You know, even if you you would need so many teams to just fall on their face. I'm talking. You would need the Raiders. You would need the Miami Dolphins. You would need uh, the Bills potentially. Not the Bills. The um the Browns potentially. You would need the Indianapolis Colts. The Tennessee Titans. I mean, you know, th- there's not enough teams. I mean, I mean, there's too many teams left in playoff contention where you're barely even making the graphic when they show who's in the hunt. The Patriots are some some places don't even put us on there, and other ones have us as the very last team. So it's an outside chance to make the playoffs. So I'm going to start looking forward to next year. And you cannot have any of the same quarterbacks on the roster. Because what you're going to have to look to do is try to acquire young talent and develop them. So whether you take a flyer on a guy like Sam Darnold, who might get cut from New York if they draft Trevor Lawrence, and you can say, hey, look, uh, maybe Sam Darnold was so bad because he was in New York, and we can make him better. You know, So you go get a disgruntled, young quarterback like that, or you draft somebody. But either way, you're going to get young at the position. So what do you do with a young quarterback? Well, you bring in a veteran and you mentor him. Brady mentored under Bledsoe. We know Aaron Rodgers was a mentor under, uh, was mentored by Brett Favre. Again, young to Montana, whatever you want to, you know, all these, all these different lineages of quarterbacks. Well, I don't want whoever's going to be in the future learning from a, any Patriot quarterback currently on the roster. Like, what is Brian Hoyer going to teach a young quarterback? How to take a bad sack? What's Jared Stidham going to teach a young quarterback? First of all, Jared Stidham's a young quarterback himself who can't make it onto the field. What, what's he going to teach the guy? How to hold a clipboard on the side of, on the sidelines? Hey, uh, this is this is the good angle. You know, make sure you've got you know a couple sheets of paper and uh, keep the pencil tucked in your ear. But if you got to start warming up, make sure you take the pencil. Like, what the hell is he gonna teach him? You know, the guy can't get on the field. What's Cam Newton gonna teach him? How to be six five and still get passes swatted at the line? How to throw balls to the other team? You know, really bad interceptions. No, he's not gonna. None of the guys are gonna be help. To, to are gonna be helpful to a young quarterback. And it and it irks me so much because. Bill Belichick, again, as much as I love him as a head coach, and I'm going to give him all the credit for this week's win, the fact that you don't even have a clear, bona fide NFL quarterback that you at least even trust to teach the next guy is such an indictment on your scouting, your decision-making, your planning for the future. Look, Brady was going to leave. The writing was on the wall years ago that he wasn't happy here. And you never truly got a successful heir to, you know, uh, the throne. And and we can talk about Jimmy G all you want. Look, Jimmy G's, you know, he's like paper. You know, he's never playing. Look, he's he's done for this season. He missed a couple games. You know, I, I need to go back and do some stats on how many games he's missed since being traded to San Francisco. But Look, you'd still be looking for a quarterback right now if you had Jimmy G. So I, I don't want to bring him back. I'm not going to sit here and say that, you know, oh, he's he's clearly was the the heir to Brady and we let him walk away or we traded him away. Nope, nope, I'm not doing that. I don't think he's that good. 
So you've had years and years and years to plan for life after Brady, and you haven't been able to do it, and you don't even have a guy sitting in the quarterback room right now that is good enough to even teach a young a young quarterback. That's sad. That's really sad. And I think that part of what the Patriots need to do is get old and young at the same time. Do what Miami did. Draft someone young in the first round, but have a guy like Ryan Fitzpatrick there to educate, uh, coach, basically, uh, and, and teach the young quarterback how you know what it's like to be in the NFL. You know what do you need to look out for? How defenses are going to be different? Just, just you know, give the kid a fighting chance. But like I said, there's nothing that Cam Newton, Jared Stidham, or Brian Hoyer can teach a young quarterback that's going to be, you know, uh, actually beneficial. They're certainly not going to help him read a defense. Certainly not going to help him, you know, uh, memorize the playbook. So you need to go out, get a young quarterback to groom, and then you're going to have to also find the guy to groom him. And it's 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 going to be a thin market. I mean, a guy like Ryan Fitzpatrick might be available. Do you really want Ryan Fitzpatrick, Mr. AFC, Mr. Uh, yeah, AFC East? He's he's played for the Bills, the Jets and now Miami, you you want him now? Okay, so he gets the full sweep. You want him on New England teaching the next guy? Like, he's a good guy, Harvard, smart, you know, one of the highest scores on the Wonderlook test as a rookie. I mean, everything like that, I get it. But I don't know if he's the guy that I really want either. So you need to identify a young, quality quarterback in the draft. And you're also going to have to go get his mentor in free agency. It's just not a good situation. But... It's just where we are now, and I know in past weeks I've been clamoring for Belichick to tastefully tank. That's my uh, that's my word for it. Tastefully tank, putting in young players, lose a couple games, improve your draft pick. Uh, maybe keeping Cam Newton in the game is actually the best way to lose the game, and it just so happens that you win because 84 yards and two interceptions is so bad that. I think if you put Sidham in, he might have actually done better than that, you know? So maybe starting Cam Newton is how Belichick's trying to tastefully tank. I don't know. But you can't have this this bad of a performance and still and still earn the starting job. So that's an indictment on on Hoyer and Stidham that Cam Newton's, you know, going to be trotted out there next week to, to play, and, you know, he didn't earn it. So I don't know. It's just where the Patriots are right now. And it's hard to feel good about these wins. Like, in the in the short term, you know, I, you see Nick Folk, his field goal goes up and, and goes to the uprights, and you're like, wow, we just beat Arizona. And you're, like, excited. And you're like, wow, what a good win, you know? And then it's, like, two seconds later, you're like, yeah, we're still not making the playoffs. And you're like, actually, uh, this just made our draft pick worse. How am I supposed to be excited for uh, this win when all it's going to do is hurt our future. And that's kind of where I'm at. And I think a lot of Patriots fans are there too. You obviously want to win games. You obviously want to be competitive and, and enjoy the week. But when you've had such an inconsistent, lackluster season, these these dramatic wins don't feel the same. They actually feel worse because you know you're not going anywhere. And I, and I look back on this season, and I think it'll be defined by two games. If two games 
uh, if the outcome of two games were changed, I would feel so much differently about this season. Denver Broncos. It's the game where Cam Newton's coming back from COVID. It had been delayed, rescheduled so many times, and finally it's played. You get your quarterback, you know, you get your quarterback back from COVID, and your defense holds the Broncos to field goals, only field goals, and you lose that game at home. I get it, no fans in the stands and everything like that, but still, it's a home game. You didn't have to travel. You didn't have to get your flights rescheduled 100 times. It was just like, hey, there's no game today. Oh, there's no game until next week, whatever. You just drive to the stadium. It's, you know, half an hour from your house. The Denver Broncos had to board a plane and fly and reschedule and do all this other stuff. And they walk into Gillette, only get field goals, and still beat you. So if that game, you end up winning. And then the game against the Buffalo Bills, Cam Newton has the ball. You're down by three points. It's late in the fourth quarter. You're in the red zone. And he just doesn't tuck the ball away, and it gets, you know, tomahawk chopped out of his hands. You end up losing that game. If you win, Patriots would, would have their, you know, division hopes still alive because you'd have the tiebreaker. You know, you've got another game against the Bills coming up in a couple weeks here, so you'd be, you know, you'd be well over 500. You'd be the inverse of where you are now. You'd be 6-5, um, and five, looking, you know, you'd have the tiebreaker over Miami you'd have the tiebreaker over the Raiders you'd have the tiebreaker over Baltimore and you would have one key win against the uh, Buffalo Bills with a second game against them coming up in a few weeks I mean it would be a really exciting time you could convince yourself of the division we would finally have the Patriots be the gritty underdog that is going to try to spoil a team's postseason hopes uh, and, and those teams are always so much fun to watch. I mean, think about how many times the Ravens have upset, you know, the Denver Broncos when they had Peyton Manning. They they came in and beat us in the AFC Championship game. Uh, we've had seen the Jets come into New England and upset us. You know, so imagine if the Patriots were these spoilers, where they get to go in and ruin the fun. I mean, we would be sitting here if the Patriots were six and five, and they beat Denver and they beat Buffalo. I know I'd be like hey, I bet uh, the Steelers don't want to draw us in the first round. Patrick Mahomes doesn't want to see Bill Belichick in the playoffs. And yet, you know, you didn't win those games. This isn't the reality. You are 5-6. and six. You did lose to Denver. Cam Newton did fumble on the 15-yard line against Buffalo. So we just got to accept it. And, and winning these games, it's like I said, I see the ball go through the uprights. I'm excited that the Patriots just won the game. And then two seconds later, I'm like, our draft pick just got worse. You know, right now, you are you could be picking 15-16. Well, what happens uh, if, because you won this game against uh, Kyler Murray and the, and the uh, Cardinals, you know, you move down two slots. And so, say the 13th overall pick ends up being some prolific quarterback. And you picked 15th. And your guy ends up being a bust. You'd sit there and say, why did we win against the Cardinals? Why are we you know, winning these meaningless games? Because at the end of the day, we're not making the playoffs. And, and now your future's at stake here. You've got a better chance of getting a better player if you pick higher in the draft. That's just, that's just logic. But, you know, 
clearly it, it's too it, it's too ingrained in Bill Belichick to not lose games, you know, and I, I understand it. These guys are going out there and risking their health and then everything like that, so you're not gonna want to just go out there and lose, but the Jets are doing it. The Jaguars are doing it. You know, they're losing games and guys are still getting their million dollar paychecks. So, you know, I got a hard time feeling bad for these guys if, if we were trying out there and just getting pounded when you're supposed to lose games to improve your draft pick. And again, I'm not one of these people that's like, oh, if you don't win the Super Bowl, it's a lost season. Especially in the post-Brady era, I would have just loved to be one of these scrappy playoff teams that plays tough, hard-nosed football, the full 60 minutes, they're, they're spoiling other teams' party and whatnot. I'd love that. And you don't have to win the Super Bowl to make me happy. But when you know you're not making the playoffs and you're still like winning a couple games down the end here, I don't know. It's just hard to get super jacked up about it. And that's my big Patriots rant right now. Um, just a preview this week because you know I always I always look towards the next week's game. We're playing the Los Angeles Chargers, who uh, they're three and eight, so they're a team that's drafting ahead of you right now, and. Look, they've figured out the quarterback situation. Uh, Justin Herbert is uh, probably going to win your rookie of the year, seeing as uh, Joe Burrow you know, blew his leg out for Cincinnati. And, and Herbert was one of these young, you know, middle-of-the-first-round guys. or He was a top-ten pick, actually, potentially. And he was thrust into the starting job when a team doctor punctured the uh, – punctured the lung of Tyrod Taylor so he literally finds out minutes before the game that he's starting and he's never looked back since he's got 3,015 yards 23 touchdowns seven interceptions uh he's made Keenan Allen emerge as one of the best wide receivers in football Keenan Allen's gonna have over a thousand yards he's got 875 yards and seven touchdowns right now he's averaging around 10 yards a catch uh, so so he's turning into a really, you know, prolific wide receiver, and it seems like the future is bright in in uh, not San Diego. They're not there anymore. The future is pretty bright in Los Angeles. They got that beautiful new stadium, and it seems like the Chargers are going to be a competitive team in the future. And they're three and eight. I feel so much better about the Chargers going forward than the Patriots, and yet the Patriots have two more wins. So not only have the Chargers figured out their quarterback situation, they've got. You know, Joey Bosa, who's a great pass rusher uh, on defense, they're also going to get a top 10 pick this year. Maybe go get, you know, another stud guy on defense or or lock up the offensive line a little bit. And I feel so much better about them than I do the Patriots. So, you know, this is a this is one of these games where it's a it's a 425 start. We're playing out in Los Angeles. You know, currently the the Chargers are actually favored by a you know, uh, one and a half points. And I guess it worked for me last time, so I'm going to have to go with my George Costanza methodology here until it stops working. So I think the Patriots are going to win this game due to the fact that the San Diego, I mean, I keep calling, geez, I got to wipe this out of my head. The, the Los Angeles Chargers are starting a rookie quarterback, and throughout Bill Belichick's uh, coaching history, Rookie quarterbacks don't do well against him. Schemes and and what whatnot. He's just able to con- confuse them, expose them. So on paper, 
you're off coming off of a big win playing a young quarterback a team that you know has a couple has a worse record than you I'm expecting the Patriots to win this game so I'm going to do the good old George Costanza and I'm going to go Chargers win 24-17 we'll see if we'll see if it works if it runs out I'll start to get to make my own picks again but can't can't stop a hot streak of one (laughs) correct prediction so um but yeah, the Patriots are, are leaving a bad taste in my mouth even after a win for sure. But I want to move on to the NBA because the NBA is very uh, heating up. Not necessarily anything with the Celtics, but you know the, the Eastern Conference just acquired uh, a former MVP in Russell Westbrook. He's, he's going to uh, the Washington Wizards, and look, it's a big deal. And what does this mean for the Celtics, right? Did I want the Celtics to go out and acquire Russell Westbrook? Absolutely not. I think Russell Westbrook would be so damaging to the development of Brown and Tatum. You also just signed Kemba Walker. So, you know, oh, that that's other breaking news. Kemba Walker's uh, not going to start the season because he had, you know, stem cell injections in his knee. We're going to get to that in a second. But uh, I didn't see any way of, of acquiring Russell Westbrook. And even if there was some sort of path to get him, I wouldn't have wanted to see Danny Ainge do that because he's not the guy I think... Uh, would help this team get over the hump. But him going to Washington doesn't really make me feel that great. You know what I mean? Like, just because I didn't want him on my team doesn't mean I don't want to play him, you know, three, four times a year, whatever it ends up being. And uh, I went back. uh, I've looked at what has Russell Westbrook done against the Celtics uh, since Kevin Durant left. So we're going back. We got about four seasons of, uh, of stats to look at. And he's been an absolute monster. He's been, he's been Russell Westbrook. Uh, you know, it seems like the fact that we only saw him twice a year. You know, you you kind of forget, but he shredded the Celtics. He's averaging thirty point nine points, ten point three rebounds, and eight point six assists. And uh, that's basically a triple double, which we know he's been the triple double machine in the last couple years when Durant left. It looks like that's no difference against the Celtics, and if you think about it, um, the Celtics are probably in a position where now they don't have a, a, a point guard advantage against Washington, and this is the point I wanted to talk about. The Eastern Conference has never really been um, a place of talent. <laughs> uh, we, we've always known that the Western Conference usually has better players. Um, obviously, when Le- when LeBron was here, uh, and, and the emergence of the Greek Freak and whatnot, we you've had MVPs from the Eastern Conference. It, it's not to say that the Eastern Conference is is awful, but it, it, it takes no genius to, to look and say Western Conference has a little bit more talent, and th- that's evident in the point guard position. You know who's the best point guard uh, in the Eastern Conference right now? You know, gut reaction tells you know would tell me it's Kyrie Irving. Maybe now it's West, Russell Westbrook. Um, after those two guys, I think there's a pretty steep drop off in talent because Trey Young's pretty good, but he's young. Uh, you know, Kyle Lowry's a gritty guy, but let's be honest, he's he's not you know a a premier point guard. The acquisition of Drew Holiday again, he's pretty good, but 
he's not in the upper echelon. Kemba Walker, for all that he's he's done in Charlotte, I mean, he comes to Boston, he averages 20 points a game, and is he just shrivels in the playoffs, and he's now he's hurt again, and now he's not even able to start the season. So, you know, he's a guy that I don't think is in that top tier anymore. I'm not sure if he ever was. But still, most nights you had an advantage at the point guard position. When you're playing teams like um, the Orlando Magic, you've got an advantage at point guard. When you're playing teams like the um, Philadelphia 76ers, okay, I guess Ben Simmons is a, is a point guard. I, I keep forgetting that. He doesn't play like a point guard, so maybe you don't have the advantage there. But I like your chances against Indiana. You probably have a better point guard. Um, when you're playing the New York Knicks, you've got a better point guard. When you're playing Cleveland, I don't think Colin Sexton's that good. You're playing Detroit, you've got a point guard advantage. So it's a position where, whether it was Isaiah Thomas, Kyrie Irving, and, and Kemba Walker, within your own conference... I would say you've got, you had somewhat of an advantage each night. And when John Wall was playing, that wasn't the case. I think John Wall was better than uh, Kemba. But guess what? John Wall's been hurt for two years. So I don't even have faith that Kemba Walker, I mean, I don't even have faith that John Wall's going to bounce back and be his normal self. I mean, he like blew his knee out and then he blew out his Achilles. Like those are two places you don't want to see injuries for an explosive point guard. But just looking at it, you could always check off you had an advantage at point guard, again, you know, most nights. That's not the case anymore against Washington. Not only did they get a, 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 a unbelievable point guard, I would argue he's the best one in your conference, maybe other than Kyrie Irving. And the Western Conference is littered with point guard talent. You've got Steph Curry, Damian Lillard, uh Jamal Murray, uh, Chris Paul, um, uh, blank on I think John Morant. I mean, you know, right there is four, five, six guys that are so much better than anyone in the in the Eastern Conference. So it was a weak point guard conference. Uh, you you had the advantage most nights, and your conference just got a lot better at that position. And it seems like you just got a lot worse with your starter getting injured. So it'll be interesting to see how this kind of plays out. You know, uh, the Wizards could easily make a run at the playoffs. I know they've been putrid the last couple of years, but don't sleep on you know Bradley Beal. He's he's emerged as a extremely talented uh, you know shooting guard. And look at you know Washington was 25 and 47 last year, so they were basically the inverse of the Celtics. You know we were 48 and 24, they were 25 and 47, but. Um, I think they can easily move up now with, you know, again, a top five point guard in the league. So Boston, you know, your road to the conference finals, your road to the NBA finals just got a little just got a little bit more difficult. And, you know, I keep looking back at this Kemba Walker signing and saying to myself, man, I really hope this doesn't bite bite Danny Ainge and the Celtics because he's prolific when he's healthy He's just not healthy. And and last episode, I was clowning Michael Jordan for all of his terrible contracts. You know, the the 120 million to Gordon Hayward, the 56 million to you know Cody Zeller, and 120 million to Nicholas Batum. Some awful contracts. 
even Michael Jordan didn't want to extend uh, a max contract to Kemba Walker. Think about that. For as bad as Michael Jordan has been, he even looked at Kemba Walker and's like, "Yeah, he, he's not he's not gonna last." And Danny Andrews like, "I'll extend him. I mean, I'll I'll give him a max contract. Yeah, four years. Sure, absolutely. I'll give you thirty plus million a season." It just doesn't make sense to me, you know. And you're you're starting to see the problems here. He was inefficient in the playoffs last year, and now he's starting the the, the regular season on the injury on the injury list. So I just just didn't like the signing, and it it's starting to it gets worse and worse and worse. And we'll see now because you you no longer are gonna have that clear point guard advantage. And when you had Kyrie. I think every single night you had the best uh, point guard in your conference. When you're playing those games out west and whatnot and, and in the Western Conference, maybe not. But pretty much every single night you had the best point guard on the court. Obviously, that didn't work out. Kyrie was a head case. I get it. He goes to uh, he goes to the to the Brooklyn Nets, but you know now you you don't have that clear advantage. And we'll see. Maybe they don't need it. Maybe Tatum and Brown really take a, a step forward and they don't have to worry about Gordon Hayward taking away their minutes and maybe Tristan Thompson gives you the rebounding you need to, to get some extra possessions and keep the ball uh, in your team's hands. But, you know, I, I'm looking at this season like I don't know how we're going to make it out of the out of the second round of the playoffs. But we'll, I'm going to do a big preseason prediction and everything like that in, in a couple weeks. But... I think this John Wall and Russell Westbrook trade, you know, it, it only made the conference stronger. Look, John Wall probably won't bounce back completely, and I think part of that comes from the fact that he's missed two years. And uh, as as a point guard that relies on his agility and his speed, you know, Isaiah Thomas has never been the same. Derek, um, you know, Derek Rose has never been the same. You know, these are guys that are explosive. As soon as they lose a step over and John Wall could easily be uh, in that discussion so when they swap out injured John Wall for a healthy Russell Westbrook they easily won that deal and I just want to talk a second here because uh, when this news broke I, I was talking to to my best friend on the phone uh, and he broke the news to me he was like hey man this, this crazy deal just came out you know blockbuster deal Westbrook for John Wall and my knee-jerk reaction was Meh. Okay. Like, the amount of, you know, jersey swapping by star players in the NBA during the last, like, three years almost makes you, like, numb to this kind of deal. And I wonder if this is good for the history, I mean, for the longevity of the NBA, where now you're seeing guys change teams so many times where it almost is like, a big deal doesn't even shock you anymore. And, you know, I understand that, again, Russell Westbrook is averaging triple-double. He was a former MVP, everything like that. So maybe it's the fact that the other piece in the trade hasn't been on a court in two years with John Wall, so maybe that it's a less sexy trade. But I think it's just more the fact that you've seen, I mean, Kevin Durant goes to Golden State. You know, LeBron's on his third team now out uh, with the Lakers. Kawhi Leonard goes from winning championships in San Antonio, plays a season in Toronto, wins a championship. Now he's in L.A. 
Paul George was on the Pacers, then he goes to Oklahoma City, now he's in L.A. with the Clippers. Uh, even just the Celtics, you've had a revolving door of point guards. You go from you know, Isaiah Thomas, who has an unbelievable season, you deal him for Kyrie, Kyrie leaves, now it's Kemba. You know, there's just so much shakeup in the league. You know, Westbrook, again, a guy, he's been on the move now uh, for his third team. It goes from Oklahoma City, where he's averaging a triple-double, plays a season with James Harden in Houston. Now he's with the Wizards. Like, there's just so much movement. And it seems like Giannis Antetokounmpo, back-to-back uh, MVP, he's going to be on the move. It's like there's no kind of, like, consistency in the league. And while it, it is exciting and it's it makes the offseason um, – you know, it keeps basketball relevant in the offseason because you do have moves, you know, that are involving star players. I just don't know how the longevity of the league, how, how this is going to help because you're not going to, like, feel attached to your players anymore. Like, Jason Tatum just signed a five-year, you know, $190 million contract, and I don't even know if he'll play that contract out in Boston. He might demand a trade. Like, how am I supposed to go buy a, a Jason Tatum jersey and actually think that it's a good investment. Like, I was a sucker and bought a Kyrie jersey his first year, and now he's on Brooklyn, and I, you know? So I just I just feel like this. there's almost too much shakeup now, where with everyone changing jerseys so much, I mean, everyone's going to end their career looking like Shaq, where you can have a rainbow of him in all the jerseys because Shaq played for so many teams. You know, guys that you never, you know, never thought would ever leave. You know, people like Kobe. Tim Duncan, you know, these are guys that play their entire careers in one uniform, and, you know, there's something to be said for that, and Brady just left, it's a different sport, but you're starting to see the NFL have such a, a big shakeup, even at the quarterback position, where you're seeing, you know, long-tenured guys like Phillip Rivers change teams, Brady, whatnot, so it might be a, a common element throughout, a common theme throughout all of sports, where there's just, you know, you're just jumbling it up so much but like I said with the Celtics you know we've seen it even here at the point guard position it's been a revolving door and now you sign Jason Tatum and it's like man I hope he's here in five years and I I just don't know if that's if that's good for the league where you don't even feel like you can go buy a jersey because the guy might not want to be here anymore and these players have a lot of power to demand trades get themselves out of situations they don't want to be in anymore so uh, I just wanted to touch on that because, you know, three, four years ago, this deal would have had my jaw hit the floor. I would have been like, oh, my God, I wouldn't have, you know, I would have probably done an emergency podcast to, to, to discuss it. And now it's like, oh, yeah, that's cool. Like, all right, we'll see what happens. And I don't even I don't think that has anything to do with the players involved. I think it's just the nature of the NBA being so... Um, you know, so sporadic in, in player movement that it, it almost ruins it. Hopefully I'm wrong, but that's, uh, you know, that's just my two cents on the matter. Uh, as much as I like the off-season news, I, I do like tuning in and knowing who's playing for what team. There's something to be said for that. Uh, but that being said, i uh, going to move on to the Bruins here very quickly. It's, it's kind of Bruins slash Red Sox news, and why is that? Well, the Bruins want to play games at Fenway Park this year. Uh, we've seen the 2010 Winter Classic against the Philadelphia Flyers was the was a game at Fenway Park, and look, I'm all for it. Uh, 
games outside uh, you know it's it's exciting they they do a winter classic every year uh we we've been lucky to see the bruins play in that three times now you know they haven't looked good since that game in fenway but we we played at gillette we played at notre dame stadium just last year and uh it, it's always exciting i love the winter classic i think it's a great move to uh you know just change the pace up a little bit and the bruins aren't playing i'm pretty sure they're not trying to play every game at fenway park but they want to play a couple of games maybe get some extremely socially distanced fans in the stands uh maybe just to sort of be a change of pace uh because you don't want to be working inside the facility constantly breathing the same air as everybody else the way you would in the td garden maybe it's an opportunity to get outside and feel a little safer but i think this is a great plan uh, as someone who you know enjoys quirky things in sports you know like i love the patriots day red sox game where they're kicking off i mean their first pitch is at like 11 30 um like i said i love the winter classic um and and i think that this would just be another like little quirky thing where you'd be like you know that's kind of cool like fenway park has a nice hockey rink on it and you know maybe we do get to see a couple bruins fans in the stands it, it would be nice and i think uh this is something that more teams are pursuing. It's not just Boston. Uh, and if it's something that can kind of be league-wide, where maybe you get, like, one Winter Classic game a week, I mean, look, the N the NHL needs some draw because they don't have the same, you know, dominant TV deals and, and presence in primetime that other sports have. You know, the NFL has deals with NBC, CBS, and Fox, ESPN. So you've got so many primetime games on so many networks even baseball has games uh you know they've got their sunday night baseball game with um the mlb with uh, espn rather and then they've got like games on tbs during the playoffs like they've got other channels that you can watch baseball on obviously they're on nesson as well and basketball has got TNT, ESPN. They've got a ton of TV deals with multiple networks. The Bruins, I mean the Bruins, the NHL only is really on NBC, and that's it. And it's the least watched sport. It's, you know, uh, a, a sport that fans in the stands might be hard to do because most venues are indoors. So if you can give me, you know, a primetime winter classic game every week, you might be able to put some fans in the stands. Uh, it's going to be, you know, uh, an exciting, quirky little thing. A lot of people are going to tune into that. I'll tune into maybe even, you know, I'm a person that doesn't watch a lot of hockey outside of the Bruins. You can put any NFL game on. You can put any NBA game on. Most MLB games I'll even watch. You can't really get me to sit down and watch, like, Calgary versus Winnipeg. And if it's outside, well, maybe I'll, maybe I'll tune in. Maybe that's something that's just more with me, but I think a lot of, of casual hockey fans would would embrace this kind of, you know, uh, outdoor, you know, weekly weekly outdoor game. So, you know, it'll be something to see. Uh, we'll definitely keep tabs on it because, um, you know, it's one of the only <laughs> it's one of the only developing stories here, uh, and I do think that you know the Bruins and the Red Sox have a great relationship. And I would be very surprised if this doesn't happen. I think the state of Massachusetts would want it to happen. We, we've seen cases, you know, soar over five, 6,000 a day now. So 
you know, it's it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a fluid situation, and I think everyone's gonna have to be flexible. And you know, maybe the Red Sox get some some revenue, maybe the Bruins get some more money than they would if they're just at TD. And if the NHL throws a couple primetime games on it outside, sign me up. I'd love I'd love. Wasn't there like a game in the snow a couple of years ago? I want to say it was uh, the Maple Leafs in Detroit. I'm not 100% sure, but I think that was like a game in the snow. It just looks so cool. I don't know. Maybe I'm just a sucker for these kinds of things, but uh, I would fully support it. So, like I said, I hope it happens. But until uh, until we get more movement, you know, again, the Red Sox, there's not much. The Bruins, you know, they, that DeBrusque deal has been really the only thing recently. Um, but I'm hoping that we're going to get a lot more excitement with the NBA tipping off. Uh, you know, the the big deal is that uh, the Red Sox did reach deals with Matt Barnes, Eduardo Rodriguez, so you can expect to see those guys uh, continue to play in a Red Sox uniform. Uh, I did think it was interesting. I mean, I, I love Eduardo Rodriguez. I don't want to hold everything that happened with COVID against him. Um, but they they worked something out with him. It's a it's a one year eight point three million dollar deal. Uh, and you know, I, I I wish the best for him. He was almost a twenty game winner in 2019 COVID he has a heart condition um you know he is only 27 so I think uh he'll be able to bounce back but I was kind of curious to see how that situation would play out um but I'm glad that they did right by him and, and gave him a nice a nice contract there for one year um I uh the, the Matt Barnes signing look you know he's uh he's getting four and a half million he's a guy that I, I guess they need someone in the bullpen they also uh, signed Ryan Brazier and a couple other guys, Plowicki and Bryce, but Brazier and Barnes, you probably remember them from the championship run in 2018. Um, look, it's 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 kind of thin in the bullpen. Like, Ryan Brazier is a guy that, you know, there's a reason why he was pitching in, like, Japan three years ago. He, he's not very good. You know, Matt Barnes, you know, could close. Is he going to be the closer? Is he not? He's been okay. Um, they moved on from Workman in August, so Barnes kind of was the closer de facto. But he uh, he has got a 4.3 ERA, and you know had nine saves out of his 13 attempts in uh, from August on. So you know we'll see, we'll see. Uh, Brazier wasn't that great. Uh, he had a 3.96 ERA in 25 uh, appearances. Yeah, that's not very good either. So, you know, as much as it's nice to see some championship guys or guys from the the 18 team stick around, I don't think Barnes and Brazier are the guys that I want to see. I'd much rather see Mookie Betts and you know and and whatnot. But uh, it, it does leave Raphael Devers as the only player to not reach a deal after being uh, arbitration available or arbitration um, eligible, rather. So hopefully that's a situation that maybe they're looking at a long-term extension. I think he's the guy that if you're going to build around people, he's one of them. Uh, he's young. He's a stud. He loves Alex Cora. So uh, we're hoping to see him return to his 2019 status where he was ripping home runs and doubles. Uh, obviously, uh, you know, his defensive ability is a little questionable. He's been a, an error machine. I do I do think he would be a great DH. Uh, it reminds me 
of David Ortiz, you know, a little stocky. He's a lefty. He can really, like I said, really hit for power. So maybe once uh, J.D. Martinez is done with his time in Boston, they'll transition Devers over to to uh, to DH and, and actually get a viable third baseman because, you know, you've got your shortstop locked up with Xander Bogarts. So having, you know, two defensive studs over on the, you know, left side of the infield, you know, that's going to be great. But right now you've got a big question mark defensively. I do think they need to extend him. Like I said, he's absolutely the cornerstone of the franchise. But, you know, hopefully it's going to be on a long deal that's a little bit team-friendly. Uh, that seems to be what the Red Sox are trying to do now, get players on team-friendly deals rather than pay them what they're worth. So we'll see. But a little bit of, of roster news with the Red Sox. Again, nothing crazy, just a couple of re-signings. But, you know, Barnes is back, Brazier's back, Rodriguez is back, and hopefully we'll see Devers get locked up long-term. But until next week, you know, get your shovels out. Get ready for uh, one of the, the second storm here in winter 2020. We already had that nice little uh, snowfall in October that came right before Halloween. And it looks like this week we'll, we're gonna, this weekend we'll, we'll have some snow on the ground. So stay safe, stay warm. Uh, hopefully the Patriots, I mean, I don't know. Do you want them to win? Do you want them to lose? It's kind of weird, right? You're like, well, if they win, they win, and maybe the playoffs happen. If they lose, uh, I guess we get a better draft draft pick. I don't know. But, uh, you know, next week we'll, we'll start previewing the NBA season. You know, I'm going to do a long prediction podcast. Uh, maybe I'll get some, some friends of the show on, and, and, and we'll really gear up for basketball season. I'm, I'm going to watch every preseason game. I've already decided it. Uh, that starts on the 11th, and there's 49 of them, and... I'm probably going to try to watch as many of them as I can just because I need I need something to to uh, keep me busy here. So uh, until next week, stay warm and enjoy the snowfall.